Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The notion of being anything other than what society told me I was, which was a boy, just didn't exist. However, I knew that I didn't fit. People think of a spectrum in terms of rainbow that has a beginning and an end. But if you actually see a true rainbow that is in the air, it is a circle because it is reflecting the light source, which is circular. So there is no beginning and no end. And I think this applies to our identity, this applies to sexuality, and this should apply to societal models as well. Hello, listener, or should I say, bonjour, and welcome to Some Families, the one-stop shop for all your queer parenting stories. I am Lottie Jeffs, and I am currently in France, where I have escaped after the most difficult, arduous journey with a toddler and no flights, so we had to take the train, that you can possibly imagine. And I am Stu Oakley. Oh, bear with me, listener. I'm just about to pull out my little violin to play a little tune for Lottie, who's sitting in France. I am not sitting in France, listener. I am in the back of my garden, in my little shed, recording some families insanely jealous that Lottie and her family have escaped to the French countryside. So yes, Lottie, how are you doing in <laughs> La France? Well, just about recovered from the journey, which honestly, I know you say, I, I don't expect you to feel sorry for me, but I don't know. Um, we did have <laughs> a genuine reason for, for coming out here, which is property related, but getting out here was just another matter we got mugged in the Paris train station thankfully my daughter was asleep in her pushchair when it happened but yeah a 12 hour train journey with a toddler is not fun it was actually quite funny because it was literally as soon as we left the house to walk to our local train station my daughter had her first meltdown like two minutes out of our front door was a full-on meltdown in the pushchair how did you even manage it with bags and stuff that would be my we first had, thing we like. just had massive we had one ras- massive rucksack that I carried and then just the pushchair and that was it wow but well, it was yeah not easy Paris metro is not designed for families any lesbian mum experiences while you're going on your little excursion I mean other than just the sort of sense that people are looking at us and wondering what our dynamic is like everywhere we go because you were basically pretending you're in call my agent yeah I was pretending I was the hot one that I've spoken about before (laughs) (laughs) well who is the worst mum in the world and 
And through the power of technology, we are here today. We are recording and we are still able to bring the episode to you. So even though we are in different countries on either side of the, I suppose, EU border now, we are here to be able to catch up with our very special guests that we have on this week's show. So in today's episode, we are catching up with Peyton. Um, Peyton is a parent who is based here in the UK, but originally from South Africa. And we came across them from their incredible cycle ride that they organised last year during lockdown, which is called the Tour de Trans. And it's something that Peyton did with their son. And they cycled a thousand miles across the UK to raise awareness of trans issues and to basically get everybody across the country talking about positive conversations, about gender identity, etc. Peyton has two sons, actually, who are both pretty grown up now and Peyton came out as non-binary really recently so let's meet our guest I now have a house full of teenagers downstairs Um, our son finished his A-levels last week and uh, he's got some of his performing arts friends that have just arrived for a party and the words the words all nighter have been mentioned a number of times so um, on a Wednesday (laughs) yes on a Wednesday (laughs) So are you going to join them or are you going to escape? <laughs> oh, no, we're absolutely joining them. We've actually Amazing. Just, the reason I've got this is my volunteer vaccinator shirt that I'm wearing because when the, his mates all arrived, we did a vaccination through the kitchen and I had my whole garb on and I made them. The vaccination was a shot of uh, strawberry tequila. That's yeah. amazing. Oh, you were the, taking the time out to talk to us. Yeah, you were the parent I aspire to be. <laughs> I want to be that party, the the party parent, parent, the fun parent. Yeah, but is it indeed. better to be... This is a question that my wife and I have been asking ourselves and Peyton, help me. Is it better to be the family that when your kids are teenagers has all of the teenage friends at your house and everything happens at your house, but you know what's going on, but your house might get trashed? Or is it better to be like, just go go out and like have fun at other people's houses? Uh, well, I think it's probably a balance, a bit of both, really. We have, we our, our principle is we have a very open and welcoming home and we try to live a life of, of inclusivity and love. We really, really, really like having people here. Um, so nice and you know we integrate so we don't do the whole right kids are here they're downstairs we upstairs in our bedroom you know we'll join in and then and then retreat at a discreet opportune moment when the time is right for the elder generation to disappear i love that Um, that's brilliant yeah we you know so i think both a bit of both really and are you co-parenting with your partner who you originally had the children with no um it's quite complicated my partner is not callum's birth mother callum was is from my second marriage this was all in my previous life and uh i so i have two children from my two previous marriages both boys um, the eldest is 25 and Callum turns 18 soon. My current partner, who is a person that we've been in love with each other for 35 years, but we only got our act together seven years ago. Callum has basically taken her as his, well, not basically, he has adopted her as his mom. So wow. we share parenting. That's amazing. Does, and so when you say adopted, is that an official adoption? Not official, that... no. He actually did want to adopt her officially, but just with citizenships and birth certificates and all sorts of things, it's just way too complicated because he was born in South Africa. So it would have had to go through South African courts. You know, and we're in the UK. 
my partner is is not a South African citizen. She's an Australian citizen. So she's downstairs at the moment with them. She's, <laughs> lining, she's, she's lining up the next set of shots. She's probably on the, on the on not the next, but the next set. Yeah. <laughs> so you have two sons then, Peyton. So yes. that's your youngest son who lives with you and your partner. Um, mm. And then your eldest son, is he with you as well? No, he is in South Africa. His mother and I divorced when he was four and a half. So Peyton, perhaps if you'd feel comfortable, you might be able to share with us how you identified when the boys were first born and and maybe how you identify now and what's changed over time. Yeah, absolutely. So I have always been aware that I'm gender variant my whole life, but I grew up in a very strict Catholic environment in a country which was way behind the rest of the world by 20 years because of apartheid and sanctions. So the notion of being anything other than what society told me I was, which was a boy, just didn't exist. However, I knew that I didn't fit. And I initially thought it was my sexuality that didn't fit. I grew up and married and James was born, who's my first son. His mother and I I divorced. I then met my second wife, who I married, and Callum was born in that marriage. And um, that marriage came and fell apart in 2017. I was still presenting as a cis man at the time and was not aware that this thing that didn't fit was related to my gender. I still believed it was my sexuality because I'd grown up with the queer slur my whole life. Everyone around me told me I was queer. I'd been abused. I'd been the, you know, on the receiving end of um, violence. But there was always this undercurrent of I was mocked for talking like a girl. I was mocked for acting like a girl. I was spat on for being a girl in a boy's class. And all of this whilst presenting as, as you know, full, fully masculine. So that's, that whole epoch of my life was me trying to be a cishet norm man and failing at it. I began a process of self-evaluation because I'm, I'm a writer and I realised I was not writing authentically. So I needed to understand what there was some, what this blockage was that was stopping me from being authentic. So I decided to explore my sexuality because I believed I was at very least bi, maybe I was gay, I didn't know. Although I was living completely heteronormatively. And I spoke to my partner and I said, right, at that stage she was my wife. And I said, I need to explore this. And she said, I agree. And I very quickly realised that it was not my sexuality that was the issue. It was my gender identity. So I then started this whole process of unravelling. And in early 2010, I came, came out as non-binary, uh, with they, them pronouns, and announced to my family in April that I was changing my name to Peyton and uh, that I was non-binary and shut my Facebook account down, opened a new one in my new name and gender identity, and I said, if anyone wants to be part of my new life, you'll just find me. So I lost a f- fair few friends and a large chunk of my family in that process. And since then, I have been developing my identity and understanding where I am on the gender spectrum. And I've realised that I am a non-binary, cisant woman. So I do not identify as transgender because I am transgender because I'm not cisgender by definition. I prefer the term cisant, which means that I was born a woman, but I'm not a cisgender woman because... My biological anatomy did not con- was not congruent with my gender identity. I identify as a, as a non-binary cisant woman, and my pronouns are she or they. And my presentation is completely full-time feminine, and I've 
officially changed my gender to to woman. Well, congratulations. Yeah, indeed. (laughs) And how was that conversation? You talked about talking to your family. How was that conversation, particularly with your sons at the time and how they both reacted? It was it was challenging. (laughs) How did you even prepare? How did you prepare for that? So there were I had there were two different processes because I had one son living with me and I have one son very remote. So what I did with uh, <clears throat> with Callum, Callum has just been part of this process every step of the way, completely and fully transparent. The minute I was questioning this process, I sat him down and said, "I'm questioning my sexuality, and um, I'm exploring this to understand, and I will let you know." And when that turned out not to be the issue well it was the issue but it wasn't related to my gender identity because just taking a very quick segue um, my sexuality is I don't want to identify as lesbian because I do find the word slightly prescriptive and delimiting so I prefer the the identification of sapphic pansexual so I'm not at all gender centric but my I'm attracted to to women as I understand that gender and women-aligned people, but on a pansexual basis. So there was this whole process to, to understand as well, because I've always felt gay, but being living as a cis man, being gay didn't fit. So I needed to actually, you know, adopt my correct gender identity and, 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 and live it. that truth. That's so interesting. Mm. Yeah. It's so interesting as well, because I think your story really affirms, you know, the the need for, there's a lot of obviously conversation about the many different types of gender and, and pronouns out there. And I think your story, Peyton, just highlights why it's so important to have that wide spectrum, because it's about the individual and where they fit within it, I think, yeah, is, is a perfect demonstration of that. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And so, you know, Callum has been fully transparent with him at every step of the way in terms of both sexuality and identity, when I felt it appropriate for me to share, obviously I needed to get to a certain mm. place within myself. And um, what sort of age was he, sorry? Just uh, he's 17. So 16. You, you started talking to him about this, the, it was um, the first he'd heard of it when he was 16. 16 and almost 17, yeah. Beginning of a year, a year and a bit ago. So very early on, he... Short about probably a month after we had the initial discussion, when I told him I was changing my name, he suffered a bit of an identity crisis himself because he felt his world changing and the person he'd known his whole life as dad, a man called Barry, was now a non-binary person called Peyton. And his first thing was, I'm not going to call you mom. <laughs> and I said, um, that's cool. <laughs> and what, what we did was he stopped calling me dad. He, you know, he calls me Maddie which is a gender-neutral um, term. It sounds more feminine. I, I understand it has a more mommy-type sound to it, but it is actually gender-neutral, and that's why we went for mm. it. So he, he calls me Maddie. And he struggled a little bit with that, just purely because, you know, he had to let go of the concept of me as, as, as this man. But he let go of it very quickly when he understood what this meant for me. And his reaction at all stages has been, there's just more of you to love. I've always known you are more... You're not just a, a man. I've always he's always seen me as not a cis man, although I was presenting. But his understanding of me, he, you know, I have very strong maternal instincts. I've been very maternal with him, and he he said to me a couple of times, "You actually, I've seen you more as my mother." So he he's adapted to it and and and, and taken it very very much in his stride. He's had a couple of questions here and there. 
but it really has not been an issue for him. And if he ever has had issues, we've spoken about it, you know, and, and so we've been completely open and transparent. When it comes to my son James, I started intellectualizing with him first about the concept of non-binary gender identity. I had a FaceTime with him and then I had a little prepared spiel, which I read out to him. And basically what I say is what, you know, similar to what I've told you, I've never felt comfortable as a cisgender man my whole life. I started questioning and I've realized that this is my gender identity and I do not identify as either man or woman. He has struggled with it. And I guess the distance as well. And like you say, having Callum so close to you constantly, I suppose, has not helped that situation. It sounds like it would potentially be a difficult situation anyway. The distance has been the single biggest uh, thing. You know, if he could see my truth more, mm. he would he would respond. I have not been able to reach him emotionally. I've tried to reach him intellectually, but it hasn't worked. And the reason it hasn't worked is his, his mind is closed to the concept. Mm. And I have not, because of the distance, I've not been able to reach him emotionally. And that's where I need to connect with him. So we're not going to mend this bridge until we're actually able to meet physically. Yeah. yeah. I don't know when that will be. You talked about being maternal to Callum throughout his life. Could you talk a little bit more about that? Because it's something we talk actually a lot about on the podcast is the, the kind of gendered roles of parents and how people do sometimes fall into the more maternal or paternal roles or even the gendered roles in terms of what is typically seen as the male and female and you know same-sex relationships lgbtq plus relationships really do break that down um and allow allow us as queer people to be free in how we parent but as you've only recently transitioned how did you find your your parenting style during the ages when when Callum was growing up? Very challenging for that reason, because I was living in such a binary, such a cishet normative binary society. And it was very much, you know, the man goes out and works and is the major breadwinner. The woman stays at home, looks after the children. But I didn't want any of that. I was a very successful career person. I was working for an international telecommunications company, very senior role but I was running my own operations, so I had a lot of flexibility. So when both my sons were born, I was integrally involved as it was biologically possible for me to be in their birth. If I could have, and I'm not saying this flippantly, if I could have breastfed, I would have. So I was extremely involved in that side of them as a parent, and it just was something I needed to do. I couldn't, now it makes perfect sense to me, of course. Was there any, was there any sense of kind of jealousy of sort of seeing your partner going through this kind of incredible experience of pregnancy and feeling almost jealous that you you would like your body to be able to go through that and you you wish that you could have experienced that yes that is an emotionally very very difficult topic for me because intellectually this is challenging for me because the minute you start identifying womanhood with childbearing it is just so incredibly problematic so it's not that Mm. For me, it's more a case of biology. And I experienced that maternal as a maternal instinct, as a physical sensation. So if I, and this is even when presenting as a, as a cis man, when I was around and a, a baby and it cried, it actually physically bothered me. And, and it was, I was always straight in to the baby. And did you feel sort of awkward with the societal understanding of you in that role that everyone would be like oh look at him he's such a hands-on dad he's so great with children like did that make you feel uncomfortable that you were presenting at that time as as male and you were getting all of this sort of 
the the sort of extra adoration that cis het men get for being at all interested or good with children. There wasn't much of that, to be honest. It was more the, you know, what the hell's wrong with you? That's a woman's really? job. Yeah. So South Africa is a very extremely patriarchal society and country. Um, so I got a lot of that. And, the, and then I got a lot of jealousy from women as well, going, this is our domain. Don't, you know, don't don't come in here. Yeah, I didn't fit, you know, in kind of either camps. And it, it was challenging. And I've had to reconcile and grieve that as part of my transition, you know, mm. is, is realise that, that this, is, this is a whole chunk of my reality that I've missed out on. Just purely because one little freaking chromosome turned left instead of right, right, and headed for mm. testicles instead of ovaries. It, it, the whole concept of the parenting aspect of my transition has, has been really, really challenging because I've had two quite different experiences with two different children, both of whom obviously I love equally and want good relationships with equally. And what about Callum's friends? Um, you've got a bunch of them downstairs having a party right now as we speak. Was your son, was it easy for him to sort of reintroduce you to some of his friends or explain what was going on to his friends and have they embraced you? So when he had this, organised this party, I said, what are you telling your friends? You know, because they're going to ask, well, why have you got two mums? You know, and so he said, no, he, he'll tell them. So uh, on Monday, on this group chat, and these are all these performing arts mates, he said, right, just want to let you know that in early uh, 2020, my dad came out as transgender and is now a trans, transgender woman called Peyton. And uh, whilst she is uh, very happy to answer questions and you know, discuss anything, there will be no stupidity or you know, intolerance or anything of that nature tolerated. And if anybody has a problem with this, they're they, you know, not welcome. And if anyone starts anything, they will be leaving the house immediately. As long as you're all cool, that we're good. <laughs> so yeah, he got messages back all going, no, excellent, you know, looking forward to meeting her. So oh, yeah, Setting he's, the boundaries. Yeah, yeah. He's, he is fiercely defensive um, and, and protective and uh, fiercely lovely. inclusive. You know, he, he's so... We, we regularly discuss pronouns and he really is not, he's very gender blind, which is fantastic. Uh, you know, I just, I love seeing that in, in, in his generation because mm. it, it really fills me with hope. <laughs> so it really does. Yeah, the next generation or that generation is just so, you know, they don't see gender in the same way that it's been constructed for centuries and, and it's so refreshing because hopefully people can be more free to be who they just want to be rather than being confined to some things. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. 
post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. It's interesting because um, I've started questioning my own gender identity in a respect as I've got older, just because I feel like my generation millennials it, you were either gay or you were straight or you were bisexual and I sort of fell into being gay and then that identity that I hung my hat on when I was 16 has felt like it's be had to be the identity that I've kept with me till I'm almost 40 and it's only recently from interviewing people on this show and from interviewing people like the non-binary model that I just interviewed for the cover of Elle magazine that I've been like, oh, hang on a minute. I don't have to be this thing that I thought I was when I was 16 for the rest of my life. Like, I can evolve, I can change. And that felt like a real revelation for me. And I wonder for you, Peyton, like, if there was a similar thing there of feeling like, did you ever think, oh, God, I'm, I'm too old for this, whatever, I'll just stick to, stick to being Barry and, like, get on with it. Was that a challenge to think, no, I deserve this, whatever age I am, I deserve to explore myself and find my truth? Absolutely. It's, it's been a part of, the, part of this, the, the, the transition process has been coming to terms with the age aspect of it because mm. the longer you wait, the more you've, the more you've lost, and the more you have to grieve, and the less you've got waiting for you on the other side of that. And that carries with it its own unique set of challenges, as it does if you, you know, young. So wherever you are on the age spectrum, there is no, I guess, more or less difficult time. It just carries different challenges. And the challenges with this age is, is absolutely believing, yes, I am, although I'm in the, you know, mature years, I mean, I'm 50, I think I'm, I think I'm 54, yeah. Fifty-four. Yeah, I turned fifty-five this year. I stopped counting a long time ago. But you know, in my heart and soul, I'm stuck somewhere in my early thirties, and I'm playing and staying there. You know, age is a number as far as I'm concerned. So, challenging preconceived notions of who you are is a difficult journey to take, and it's a difficult road to go down, because to do so authentically and honestly is going to hurt. That's the bottom line, and it's going to make you start unraveling all sorts of other things as well because tied in with that identity is other aspects of your sense of self and when you're older there is that sense of you know maybe it's i should just stick it out now you know i've 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 got i've gotten so far as a man i may as well stick it out for the rest of the time for me there there was never an option once i opened that door it was just not, I got a slight taste of that freedom that you talk about, a slight taste of that mm. that weight being lifted, and it was just I won it, and I was you know and, and absolutely through. And I think actually think in my my case, my age has played an accelerant, been an accelerant, which is why I've travelled, journeyed so far mm. in a sh- quite a fairly short space of time. Yeah, <laughs> so, good for you. So it's very freeing, and uh, yeah, I and, imagine you know. It's a journey that's absolutely worth every difficult, challenging step of it. So, Peyton, you've actually done this 
I mean, you said it was the, you came out, was it at the end of 2019, did you say? Early, uh, no, April 2020. Oh, April. So literally right bang in the middle of lockdown at the start of lock, uh, mm-hmm. lockdown number one. Yes. <laughs> Whichever <laughs> lockdown we may, be, you, we may be on, listener, as you're listening to this. But um, I just wondered, because obviously lockdown and COVID has been so, such an impact on all of our lives, how did you find that transitioning through? Do you think that made it easier to be able to transition in the, almost like the comfort of your own home? And... And also, can I ask to as to add on to that question? Was Callum? I'm assuming Callum was living with you at that time as well, which potentially helped that relationship as well. Yes, Callum has lived with us permanently for since um, the beginning of 2018. It uh, it did both actually. It it was easier in some respects, and it was really, really, really difficult in other respects. A key part of resolving gender the incongruence and gender dysphoria and undergoing a transition is isolation and what what all trans support groups and charities and that work around and the central thing is to reduce isolation so that people don't feel trapped and alone of course when the whole world just went and everything seized it suddenly became impossible almost to combat that sense of isolation because everybody was feeling a sense of isolation when we went into lockdown. You know, every single person went, oh my God, what's happening? I went to the support group for a charity called Chrysalis. I went to one actual live meeting the week before we went into lockdown and that was the one and only time I've ever sat around with other trans people and discussed anything. From the aspect of of lockdown being very quiet and you know not being able to get out, so there was a, there was this whole sort of social pressure taken off, and I could kind of do it at my own pace. That definitely did help, and it was a very weird, very difficult time for me because I was experimenting, and we were getting used to this new reality of wearing masks and this kind of draconian thing that we were living under you can't go out of your house you can't go more than five miles you can't you can't you can't you can't here i'm going everything that's been telling me what i can't do from the last 50 years i'm going to flip and do it now so there was almost there was this kind of dynamic tension between the 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 world out there telling me i can't do everything Mm. and my internal world where these walls were breaking down and i was going i'm doing it i'm doing it i'm going to be me but then at least you had Callum with you along that, it's, in terms of building your relationship. Because I think a lot of people have felt that through lockdown, have felt, especially I think parents of older children who have almost rebonded throughout the process. Some not, of course, but and I feel that maybe that potentially helped as well because he was you know, able to if, see um, you transition. It, it did, it did. But we've always been so incredibly close that to be honest, it really didn't make a huge difference. It just literally meant we spent a lot more physical time together, which was brilliant and mm. it was great. But it would have been great if he could have actually physically escaped. But he's got a good support structure around him. He's had a really excellent tutor who he's been able to talk talk about and tell her about a lot of the story. And that's one of the reasons why I did the Tour de Trance last year. Mm. which was a transnational bike ride from the bottom of the UK to the top, Land's End, John O'Croats. And the, 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 the objective of, or the payoff line was across, across uh, Britain, across genders. So we hooked up with a couple of other uh, trans support groups across the UK, all the way up to Scotland, and we had some mini pride events as much as we could do at the time. 
and we cycled, Kellum and I cycled 800 and something miles with wow. um, my partner M towing the caravan and supporting us over a 14-day period and uh, to create awareness of, of non-binary people, the concept of, of non-binary, you know, our living outside the gender binary and uh, raise funds, we raised about £4,000 and really just elevate the whole awareness of, you know, hey, so I'm trying, so what, yeah, let's cycle across Britain. Wow, um, amazing. And you must have got some incredible thigh muscles as well <laughs> yeah. out of it. <laughs> we did. Now, just before we wrap, I need. I was wondering if you could help me with this thought that I've been having, Peyton, which is not so much a question, but it's something that, that's just been sort of percolating as an idea for me since I've been reading various books, actually, Detransition Baby. I don't know if you've read that that novel. And just thinking about the the act of parenting as a kind of transition and also parenthood as kind of an inherently queer experience. And I just wondered if that was something that you'd sort of considered at all, and this idea that, that the very act of becoming a parent forces you to consider your identity and your relationship to others, how you see yourself, how you're presenting, accessing your past, your child. Like, I really feel that there are perhaps some interesting parallels to be made between those experiences, different kinds of transitions, and also this... I'm interested in the inherent queerness of parenting. Even for cis-het people, I feel like it's uncharted territory and it's something that I'd just like to talk more about, I guess. I, I, I agree with you, and I, I think it's, it's part of the reason why I identify as non-binary, because... The minute you introduce a binary, a, a, a binary model into anything that is relational, you, you, you encounter problems. We are organic and we are iterative as beings. So to have any one clear definition of what this is and that is, and this, is, this starts there and that ends there, does not work. The problem is that I absolutely agree with you that there are so many transformational events in our lives mm. that should lead us down pathways of greater self-awareness and, 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 and self-enlightenment, but they don't because of the gender binary and the cishet normative mm. framework within which we are captivated as a society. So when, and, and, and if I compare my experience of the birth of my two sons with two different women and in two different environments, but they were so similar in so many respects. And what that brought out in me, that was a very liberating and freeing experience for me. So because of the binary, that then meant that I was, instead of enjoying and being free to just explore my experience of parenthood as my experience, I was then trying to do this. And that's what induces stress. And I think, I believe we are spectral. We are spectral beings. People think of a spectrum in terms of rainbow that has a beginning and an end. But if you actually see a true rainbow that is in the air, it is a circle because it is reflecting the light source, which is circular. So there is no beginning and no end. And I think this applies to our identity, this applies to your sexuality, and this should apply to societal models as well and all roles within society. We would then have a far better integrated, more balanced, healthier, happier society to live in. But because of the binary, these transformational experiences that life offers us, such as the loss of somebody, falling in love with someone, 
being attracted to someone who is of the same biological natal sex as you, as you and being, what, what's going on? I'm straight. Why am I attracted to this person? All of these things, which could be enlightening, become problematic because of this binary model that we're stuck in. And it's so, it really saddens me. And I totally agree with you. I think it is something that really needs to be explored. Is this, mm. this, you know, you use the word queerness. I'm still not comfortable with that because I find it very pejorative. And it's, mm. you know, it's the word that echoes in my head when with physical abuse and all sorts of things. So I, I still find it problematic, but I can understand the value in that word. Mm. Because I think that of all the things that, you know, procreation and reproduction has the potential to be the most gender and sex blind process and, and, and human experience, but it is not. Yeah. Um, thank you. You've so eloquently um, given shape to my nebulous thoughts there. So thank you very much. A circular shape of a rainbow as well. Yeah, which I, I love that. Thank you so much, Peyton. Thank you for joining us on Some Families. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me and inviting me. If you, listener, like this episode, then please have a listen to some of our other episodes in the series. You can also email us at somefamilies at storyhunter.co.uk or check out our website, somefamiliespod.com. And over at the website, you can also find full transcripts and past episodes. Right, I am off to go and eat some cheese and drink some wine and enjoy one of my last evenings here in France. Oh, I'm so jealous. Au revoir from me. Au revoir, Stu. See you next week. Bye-bye. This episode was produced and edited by Hattie Moyer. Some Families is a Story Hunter production. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bolin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bolinbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.